on this episode of Every Family's Got One. Marriage Stories. Featuring chef-turned-entrepreneur Rowan Schifrin. So I come from a bit of a dysfunctional family. (laughs) And listen to your mother's storyteller, Gina Sampaio. It fills me with pride to tell you that my bocce was a top-notch crook. Hi, I'm Barbara Harrell. And I'm Tony Menudo, and welcome to Every Family's Got One. For another episode of Amazing True Family Stories. Yes. Now, Tony, we all know that family stories aren't always happy, and we all have hard truths um, that that we need to share. Are you going to tell me something? No, not right now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to talk about our first story. Woo! <laughs> Um, and it's from Rowan Schifrin, uh, and his story is really about family dysfunction, and it's very profound and fascinating and, and really riveting. And Rowan was an actor mm-hmm. on Freaks and Geeks. Yep, and now he's a chef turned entrepreneur. Wow. Yeah, and here's Rowan with his very poignant story called Normal. I come from a bit of a dysfunctional family, and when I say a bit, it, it really, it's just completely downplaying the dysfunctional part. My father's never been in the picture. In fact, I've never met him, and I only spoke to him once when I was 33. And that conversation was short. I, I had to cut him off after this guy admitted he never wanted me. And uh, he wanted to explain how he spent most of his money on hookers and cocaine. I told him, okay, I have to leave for work now. Anyhow, he left not too long after I was born. My mother was still very young at 24, and she was left to fend for the both of us. She couldn't, and uh, she really didn't have much choice but to leave me with my grandparents, who uh, literally defined the words batshit crazy. I mean, my grandmother especially, she was just a complete neurotic. Every time my mother was late coming home from work, I mean, Grandma was convinced she died in some horrible accident. It's a great way to comfort a seven-year-old. So with my mother now alone and me having no father figure, she was always on the hunt for the man to hopefully one day replace her mistake and find the father for me. And all through my life, I watched many men come and go, including Bob, that emptied our apartment of everything other than the bedroom where I slept a few times a week. I was 17 at the time, and I was actually home when Bob pulled up with a moving truck and his brother, who would have been perfectly cast as a serial killer in, like, some B-horror movie. Bob, you know, he never took anything from my room, and perhaps it was because I was tightly gripping onto my baseball bat at the time. Anyway, a year after Bob basically took everything my mother owned, Mom decided to go to Florida on vacation for a couple of weeks with her best friend, Anna. While in Florida, she met a man and fell in love. Uh, Once back in New York, they did. They spoke on the phone nonstop for months. Five months later, in October of 1993, she went to go visit a new man, and upon her return, she called me into a bedroom one night and told me she was getting married and wanted me to move to Florida with her and her soon-to-be new husband. My reaction was a simple, fuck, no. And she cried. But, you know, it didn't stop her from getting married and leaving me. I was I was actually I was 18 at the time and it was my second year of college and it just made me feel you know so lost and unsupported at a time where I was just supposed to be so excited about beginning my life as an adult. In fact, before she broke the news to me, they had already set the date for their wedding on Thanksgiving Day. So our fiance to be flew up to New York the day before. And this is when I and the rest of my immediate family met, we met him for the very first time. And 
I, I remember sitting in my grandparents' den along with him and my three cousins in just like the most uncomfortable of silences. And one by one, my cousins left the den. They just left me there where finally it was just me and him. This, this stranger who was about to marry my mother and just make it one of the most bizarre Thanksgivings I've ever experienced in my 45 years of life. I mean, the silence was deafening. And luckily, you know, my mom walked in and said sweetly, you guys ready for dinner? And I was just so relieved. Yet, I was sad and uh, I was confused and I was so angry all at the same time. It's like, didn't my mother know she was making the worst mistake of her life? Apparently not. Because the next day, Thanksgiving Day, which is now known forever as Wedding Day, we all assembled in my grandparents' minuscule living room. It was a small wedding, just like my family and my mother's best friend. I was the best man. And during the ceremony, right before the wedding ring exchange, I have this cousin, Scott, who just like kept one-throating bananas like some kind of crazed python. And my great aunt just began laughing hysterically, so loud. And, uh, you know, I did. I welcomed this strange outburst, delaying the inevitable. I knew, uh, you know, I just knew in a moment my relationship with my mother would be forever changed. And my great aunt's husband, Jack, shouted out, Shut the fuck up and have some respect! She did. And uh, then I handed over my mother's wedding ring over to him, and he placed it on her finger. And the next day, he flew back to Florida, and my mother followed a couple of months later. I stayed in New York and graduated from college, and I eventually moved to L.A., where I stayed for 13 years before coming back to New York. And my mother is still married to him and living in Florida. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't see her very often. But, um, you know, I, I do. I still sit and wonder how much different our lives and relationship would be if she had never met this man who never became the father. She had just been searching so hard for me to have. Wow, that is a wedding to remember for a lifetime. Wow, I want to hug him. Yeah, I'll hug you. Oh. Okay, and now it's my job to make an awkward transition into a fake commercial. <laughs> nutbox, nutbox. Nutbox. Prepare yourselves, people. <laughs> okay, here we go. Tony, I like your shirt. I'm not wearing a shirt. Roasted! Oh my, why Barbara just roasted me like the nuts in this Hickory Farm Sweet and Salty Nut Sampler. Gently. The Nut Sampler boasts all kinds of gently roasted nuts like... Fresh and tasty nuts. Chocolate-covered nuts. And heart-healthy nuts. And since this is the final episode of season two, it's time to select our Hickory Farms Nutbox winner. All of our nut box entries have been added to our genuine glass fishbowl. Now let's give a final mix to all the entries. Drum roll, please. And the winner is Lucy I. Lucy I, congratulations. Congratulations, Lucy I. We hope you enjoy your Hickory Farms nut box. I am really going to miss saying nut box. Our next and final story of season two is from Gina Sampaio. Gina began acting when she was four and journaling when she was 14. By 40, she uh, put the two of them together and became a storyteller. Bingo! Uh, She performed in the nationally acclaimed Listen to Your Mother show and... 
and in three main stage shows for the moth. Wow. Now here's Gina with her marriage story called Watch Me. Most people aren't lucky enough to have a thief as their lifelong hero. But then, I've always been blessed. Not only was my hero a thief, she was also in a gang. On top of that, she wasn't just a member of the gang. She was also their leader. Sort of like the hair club for men, but a lot more of a badass. She was also my grandmother. She was very good, too. And by that, I mean both as a grandmother and as a juvenile delinquent. The best. Really, the best in both departments. But it fills me with pride to tell you that my bocce was a top-notch crook. When she was growing up during the Great Depression and stole food or money for food, that is some quality delinquency as far as I'm concerned. In telling this story, I just now realized. She tricked me, too, always giving me the feel-good version of her stories, allowing me the freedom to picture her as a scrappy orphan Annie ready to pick a fight, or a jaunty Robin Hood cleverly stealing from the rich to give to the poor, the poor being herself, of course. Sure, I knew that her three brothers shared one bed and she and her two sisters shared another bed, but she never told me if there was enough room to get comfortable or if the blanket was big enough to keep them all warm. I'd heard that her mother would stretch their food by adding breadcrumbs to ground beef when they could get it, and water to the soup. But she never described to me what constant hunger pangs felt like in a growing body. Instead, she told me about her gang of girls, how she'd walk with them arm in arm down the streets of Newark, New Jersey, after she had instructed the girl in the end to nudge the fruit seller's table as they strolled by. She would pull them along to maintain the illusion that they had nothing to do with the ensuing apple avalanche. Once they heard that fruit tumbling, they'd feign shock and scurry back to help the poor man retrieve it all. Oh, what kind girls, he'd remark. Here, let me give you each an apple for your kindness. Sometimes she would work alone, pulling heists under the cover of night. When the sun went down, she went up shimmying up the side of the building to knock one side of her neighbor's clothesline down. The next day, she would charge the woman a quarter for her climbing services to go up and reattach it. It was a tough way for a fifth grader to make a living. So she dropped out of school and got her first factory job when she was 11. By the time she was 19, she was juggling taking care of her baby girl and making bullets for the Navy at Crucible Steel. She never told me why she got married so young, I always figured it was a combination of societal expectations of that time combined with a desire to get out of her parents' crowded house where she didn't always feel valued or respected. It wasn't one of her better decisions. That first husband of hers used to come home drunk, causing her to hide with the baby behind the couch. It's really hard to think of my bocce, who had always been so tough, cowering like that. She once said to me, I told my first husband I was leaving him, and he said, oh, you won't leave. You have a child. And I said, watch me. And then she moved out. He'd still come by once in a while. And one day the neighbors began warning her that he'd been bragging about getting a gun. They implored her, take the baby, run to your mother's. But she wouldn't go. She was done hiding. So this time... 
when he came around and the potential for harm was exponentially increased with the addition of a gun, she met him at the door. You want to shoot me? I'm 19 years old and I live over a bar with a baby. Go ahead and shoot me. He entered that room filled with alcohol-induced confidence, never expecting to be met by pure strength and raw courage in the face of a teenage girl. It terrified him. A coward turned around and left. So maybe, I mean, maybe it wasn't that she was a really good crook that made me admire her so. Maybe it had something more to do with the fact that her stories of resourcefulness, courage, and resiliency helped mold me into the kind of woman that's always been able to point my finger at the world and say, watch me. I love how a bad marriage is so inspiring. Yes. And uh, we want to say many thanks to Gina. Um, stay in touch with this talented storyteller by following Gina on Twitter at sister underscore serendip. Underscore. Oh, my God. Underscore. And many thanks to Rowan <laughs> Schifrin, who is now coming out with a snack to, <laughs> with a snack product line that's all vegan, paleo, gluten-free, and sugar-free. Sugar-free, Tony. It's yeah. called Ronan's Mouthwatering <laughs> Morsels. And it's set to launch the end of uh, 2021. That's this year. This year! And you can follow Rowan on Instagram at chef underscore <laughs> unknown underscore 11. Oh and God. season two is a wrap. Thank Woo-hoo. goodness. <laughs> and we are sending out thanks to all of our season two storytellers and to you, our family of listeners. And we Yay. are gearing up for season three. <laughs> <laughs> Soon-ish. Soon-ish. We're taking a little hiatus, a little rest. But if you have a family story, now is the time to work on it. Work on it and then yep. send us an audio file of it uh, telling your story, four to five, six minute story uh, to yep. us. In an email. (laughs) Yes. Put season three in the subject line and then email us at everyfamiliesgotone at gmail.com. And now for the credits. Every Family's Got One is produced by us. Barbara Harrell and Tony Menudo. Special thanks to Alex Clark for our theme music. To our talented audio engineer, Paul Weiss. To Wordsworth and Booth. Mike Stafford for legal and production assistance. And the lovely and talented Dawn Nagel. Dawn Nagel. Catering by Hickory Farms, which is not an official sponsor, but we love them. We do. Subscribe to Every Family's Got One wherever and whenever you listen to podcasts. And follow Every Family's Got One on Facebook and Instagram. Or on our website at Every everyfamiliesgotone.com See you soon ish ish